Hello, everybody, and we're back in Savannah, Georgia, at the Atlantic Intracoastal Waterway Association 20th Annual Meeting and the coverage of the conference, Tyler. My name is Peter Ravel. I'm the co-host of the American Shoreline Podcast. And this is Tyler Buckingham, the other co-host. Uh, you know what's great about conferences is there's lots of smart people around, and this is what I love doing is coming to these events and finding people to talk to and learning about what goes on in these waterways. We have a couple of special guests to welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast podcast captain william van puffelin and his wife lindsey van puffelin who is the coo these are the folks who own and run biblia incorporated a marine towing and transportation company that relies on the atlantic intercoastal waterway welcome to the show well thank, thank you. you peter thank you Pat. thank you well it's great to have you guys here well one of the one of the things that i think is just absolutely the perspective that you can offer us is uh, my understanding is that you were here at the original we're, we're now in the 20th anniversary meeting it's one of the reasons why ASPN is covering this meeting is to uh, raise you know kind of celebrate 20 years of of the organization and the work that it has done but bring us take us back in time 20 years ago the organization had I, I assume the organization was brand new it was the first annual meeting uh, what brought you to the meeting and and uh, how far have we come? Well, the, you know, 20 years ago, um, there was a small group of um, uh, stakeholders, people that um, run the waterway, um, you know, mainly tugboat companies and, and dredging companies. And uh, uh, they just decided that uh, there needed to be a voice in Washington, um, uh, you know, to get the word out because of... Uh, uh, Originally, the waterway, when it was um, oh, um, proposed by Congress, and, and 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 I'm trying to think of the word, but authorized, it, authorized, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was you know 12 foot um, uh, operating depth from Norfolk to Jacksonville, and then nine feet from Jacksonville all the way down to Key West, and um, I guess uh, sometime in the 60s. Um, you know, there was less and less funding for maintenance dredging, and um, you, know, tw you know, 20 years ago, I, I think that you know there was a crossroads, and you know, either something had to be done, or you just weren't going to be able to operate with, you know, more than four or five foot draft um, going up and down some of the problem areas in the waterway. And for commercial waterway operators, well, that water depth is all about the efficiency of transportation, what you can do for your customers and what you can transport. It's all about money and, and, and important economic interests. Uh, water depth is an economic, obviously, an, uh, is a shipping capacity issue. Absolutely. Uh, uh, well, it's also for a personal benefit as well. I mean, I grew up sailing. My father had a yacht oh, yeah. racing, and there was a, what, seven or eight foot draft? Mm-hmm. So we would run aground and spend a little more time than we wanted in a certain area, but <laughs> we would also use it for pleasure. I mean, this river supports industry, it supports the city, but it also brings families. We'd go out and spend time on the islands, living off what we caught and enjoying the waters. So not just professionals. And you guys, this is a family business, we should point out. Mm -hmm. And uh, so tell us, you know, I, let's talk, talk a little bit about your... your how each of you guys were obviously the captain. I assume that you probably started out uh, on the boat. Are you still captaining uh, tugs? Um, when I have to. Um, <laughs> filling in? Filling in. Yeah. Um, 
but it, it, it started with um, um, my grandfather and then uh, my father bought it from him and then I bought it from my father and my son uh, my oldest son works with us um, uh, yeah, but it is uh, it takes so much time to really learn all the intricacies and um, you know I grew up thinking everybody kind of everybody kind of knows how to do this and uh, of course the older I got the more I, I realized that um, you know, it was it was somewhat of a special gift, um, and um, you know, it's uh, it's exciting fun. Um, of course, it was a lot more fun when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't have to think about the bills as much as you do Absolutely. now. Absolutely, <laughs> didn't have to think about the bills, and and didn't have to deal with all the paperwork and the red tape. But um, you know, that's he's um, also very modest. He's, yeah. We we employ and work with men and women for whom maybe the classroom being a former educator was not their strongest area mm-hmm. uh, to, per- to shine and to perform and yet though when they come and work with us like William they grow they gain confidence they gain um, respect for themselves and that they do actually have gifts and William is actually co- the genius he really is gifted at this business this Wonderful. industry um, and he allows other young men to find that personal gratification they haven't experienced before well professional competence is a very big deal for guys and i think for all people but especially for young men uh totally being being competent and capable and and in doing some important work tell us a little about the company what kind of it's a marine towing and transportation company what does that mean for those of us who are not waterway people i guess you own tugboats what do you what do you do you know tugboats and barges and um uh, we, you know, we will do we'll do pretty much anything uh, you know that uh, uh, but mainly we work for uh, dredging companies uh, construction companies uh, project cargoes um, you know but um, we have a drag that he designed uh, yeah. that is, is that has been so effective that most of the larger companies in the United States actually use his drag and set up um, Basically. And a drag is a drag line. It, tell us what that is. Yeah, you've got you lost me on drag. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? So, it's um, it, it's basically a, a giant box blade that um, mm-hmm. is suspended under a barge, and you push it with a tugboat, and uh, you just flatten out the um, the the you know the the bottom of the river or or wherever you're wherever you're dragging. Okay, uh, so the ships can't come up next to the the slips if the, docks, the, yeah. if the mud underneath is too high so he comes and moves it out i got you so it's a channel maintenance uh, yes, uh, a, equipment that you've designed and operate so uh, and you're here in savannah Mm-hmm. What a beautiful hometown y'all are oh, in! I gotta you. tell you, we have been, we just, you know, we're blown been, away. We yeah. are. What it a is beautiful, such a wonderful place. What a beautiful place! God, what a lovely city. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's grown and it continues to grow, and we, downtown has been uh, revived, and it's a walking city that not everyone has the pleasure is. of parking it's their car. So nice to walk around, and in a major port town, uh, and people don't think. I think in other parts of the country don't realize that the port of savannah the third largest container port in america is a big deal and uh, and you guys are a big part of that so in right. in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, over the course of a year what do you guys uh, wh- who are your customers who do you uh what do you end up doing mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. well um we do a lot of agitation dredging for the dock owners here in savannah the okay. georgia port authority the uh, imperial sugar which is uh, we call it sugar refinery i, I 
it might be the oldest sugar refinery in the United States. Wow. But it's it's been here for a long time and um um, and is that a, is that affiliated with Coca-Cola? I'm just guessing. No, given um, the proximity there, it's um, Louis Dreyfus Industries. Uh-huh. I, I don't. I mean, yeah. Uh, um, originally, it was called Dixie Sugar, but yeah, uh, a family. It was a family-owned thing, but now I think it's um, um, you know a stock-held yeah. type thing. But um, and then we, you know, numerous dredging companies, um, Marinex, uh, Norfolk Dredging. Um, Great Lakes, Weeks, um, Cotra, I mean, we... So you work for them all with providing transportation services, barge services, and towing. Right. Uh, Lindsay, you are the COO of this company. Now, you, mm-hmm. you mentioned you were formerly an educator, and you've been incredibly modest in our discussion <laughs> leading up to this interview about how you don't really do anything, but I don't believe you. I think <laughs> you and your husband are a powerful team. Tell us about your role in, uh, in Biblia, Inc., well, um, when William bought the company from his parents, largely to provide for their retirement, because when you're family owned, you do everything you can That's to right. keep it running, he wanted to take care of them. And I was asked to be the principal at a local Christian school um, at the elementary level. And I had said yes, with his permission. Um, but then he asked me to actually pray about coming to join him because tugboating went from uninspected vessels into being inspected. Hmm. And so it was reading a mammoth uh, hmm. Regulatory book. book yes, I can all these imagine. CFRs and this <laughs> yeah. tiny print. But I did very much the same thing with teachers and paraprofessionals and working to bring in a culture um, into our industry uh, was became my primary responsibility. We have been extremely blessed. One of the things um, that I find working in the Savannah area, whether it's with the ports or with the Coast Guard, is that, yes, these are huge entities, but they're also human beings, and they're delightful. And Mm. when you maintain a respectful relationship, recognizing they're each doing their job, no one's out to make this difficult for you. We're working together. We want to be compliant. It's just learning how, and they're learning how to enforce this new huge book of rules. So, And it was all for safety. Which, again, we you all know, want to. We do. Separate. What We're a for what, it, a, what a team! I've got to say, because <laughs> yeah, what a great team, Captain. <laughs> we just met, so I don't want to. I don't want to judge, but my general feeling, and I'm just this is my own projection, gut feeling, gut feeling, <laughs> yeah, is that you know a man of the water, someone who's chart. You're a captain. You 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 run your ship. You run your company. Grandfather had the company. Grandfather had the company. Back you got now. your ways. You've got your methods. You, and now uh, there's this oversight of uh, the federal government and perhaps even the state government as well. Coast Guard. And, you know, that could be uh, infuriating <laughs> if you're accustomed to your ways. Right. So to have a partner who can come in and so... You know, it's all about safety and, go, and see the and right. see the intention. <laughs> well, that is really about. good partnership. I'm really impressed by that. Yeah, I mean, I I, I couldn't do it without Lindsay. It's it's just been. Um, uh, I'm not a big paperwork kind of person, and um, you know, so so Lindsay's been able to come in and help uh, with education and help um, you know be able to communicate with the, the Coast Guard and. Um, um, you know, we we've just really been fortunate too that the uh, Coast Guard has been, you know, very helpful and um, 
you know, we have a, a, a great inspector um, um, here in Savannah, Mark Nemec, and and the whole group. I mean, originally, the, there was a thrust in the government, um, in, when they were making this come to be, subchapter M, uh, that would put the small business owner out of business. Really? That it oh, would yeah. be impossible. And then you had to go to the third party route. You couldn't do it yourself. You just weren't uh-huh. equipped. So you'd have to hire like a regulatory compliance person right. to help you do it, which would be expensive exactly. and you put you out. And right. then you'd be doing it yourself anyway because you had to bring that culture to your older captains, crewmen right. who were fully, completely unfamiliar with this new uh, book of policies. And so I, we decided we could handle it ourselves and work with the Coast Guard. And we've been, as I said, extremely blessed. It is a change in mindset for our our captains our crew they're people they've done this 50 years some of them the way they've done it so they have to learn too some refused and were allowed to go find pleasures doing something else Mm -hmm. and others were slow to conform some were more quick but that's typical of anybody anywhere when something's new and so patiently we work together and we have been as i said it's been fairly seamless Mm-hmm. That is good news. So, so honestly, wait, it, what is your honest assessment? So the, the, tell us a little bit more about the regulatory environment you had to master uh, coming as a company that, that is in your family and goes back, I don't know how many decades, but decades in mm-hmm. time. Um, did it help? Does it, are the operations, did, did, these, did, did the requirements make sense to y'all as small business owners in the maritime trades? I think initially it, was, it, it just seemed overwhelming. Um, you know, but as we as we've gone through it um, the, in the past couple of years, um, you, you know, just uh, it it, be, it becomes easier. I mean, what you know, we train and you learn and you train and you learn and you audit and um, you know, once you make sense of it, um, then it, it it just becomes the norm. Um, but it is it's 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 more paperwork you've gotten you've gotten better at it right. uh got sort of under control thanks to Lindsay's right. leadership in the company uh and it, has it made your operations do your operations still function are you still is, is it are you able to deal with it now yeah yeah um we i mean i don't know that our captains and our crewmen are doing anything that much differently it's just they have to document right. everything huh. they do. Really? And so whereas before you simply wrote in your logbook, this is what we did today, done, end of story, you have to document that you went through the safety checklist. And you have to document that you did the training on uh, what the fire pump can do, and, and et cetera. You do have right. to purchase some more safety equipment, which can eat into profits and of course i mean let's be honest we're not in business just to entertain ourselves there needs to be some profit to continue to absolutely i mean we have employees who count on us for their own livelihoods of course they have to be paid and so you have to budget and at first it was um more expensive more challenging but again i think we've risen to the level we need to and and the industry can only support so much um in a price hike for the same right so we're looking we're, we're not necessarily at a level playing field right now the coast guard is still learning how to enforce these rules and so in certain sectors they might say you only need one of these whereas another might say you need four but it's coming and they're working to and make it, it sounds easy. like you're inner you're it's a 
back and forth. It's not just you will, you're, you're, it sounds Lindsay that you're very good at approaching these people, treating them like people right. and developing a, uh, rapport, a rapport and Relationship. a, a, Hey, yeah. listen guys, this might like, we're doing the best we can help us come into compliance with the rules, you know? And that's all, I'm sure they're delighted that they get to solve this problem. You know, I think they appreciate that. I, stand humbly before them saying i don't know how to run a tugboat i don't mm -hmm. but i do know how to read cfrs and right. i've spent the code of federal regulations for <laughs> yes. all of you out there <laughs> yes and i do know how to make checklists work just and the I, federal rule book right for all I, kinds of when stuff. i was certifying teachers and paraprofessionals i had one individual in the government tell me for six months our paperwork wasn't correct on this one teacher and finally i said i've re i've examined this so many times i can't figure it out and she said well i'll help you it said put a check in the box and you put an x oh. okay we don't please that is, right. don't tell right. me those that stories. is I atypical hate but it does yeah. happen yeah it does so we appreciate that's frustrating yes we appreciate a coast guard who is not quite that yeah. um yeah Let's specific. do with the substance, not that. Right, and yeah. that's what they say. The intent of the law is important, and I love to work with that kind of a person mm -hmm. and who will help our people also. I've, I'm, I think that that's a, uh, just absolutely a lesson to be learned whenever you're confronted with, from both sides, whether you're a regulator, a good chunk of our audience uh, on this podcast network are federal rule makers and regulators and policymakers, and um, whether you're regulating a fishery or permitting a, a, a you know development on a shoreline or uh, vessel safety and that sort that nature, uh, having a, a cooperative relationship with the people that you the human beings that you are and citizens I would note uh, very often the case that you are. Uh, regulating will make the process go much better and you'll be appreciated uh, as you do Lindsay for your work now I know that you guys received a grant and I want to circle back to that but before we do um, I want to talk about the condition of the waterway yeah, uh, you've too. been on this waterway for a mm -hmm. long time has it improved I, I think it's improved um, you know in the past 20 years it's been very very slow in coming um, uh, you know the Corps of Engineers is um, uh, they're focusing on you know bad uh, or trouble spots, um, and because um, that's know, where they have their financing. Right, right, and but uh, you know there's still a lot a lot to be done. I mean they uh, you know growing up you, it it wasn't uncommon to see three or four dredges when you went from Jacksonville to Norfolk, um, and now um, you you might only see one. Wow. Uh, yeah yeah i mean there's i mean there's maintenance all the time i mean you know you got to cut your grass uh, right you got to sweep your driveway and um you know there's there are areas that stay naturally deep in the waterway and there, there are areas that uh where the silt fills in or um you know shoaling or whatever and it just it makes it very difficult to make times you know timeline schedules and um uh, you have to limit your draft um you know just just all kind of constraints that would it would be nice if you didn't have them 
Do your barges and tows operate from uh, what portion of the waterway? Do you go down into Florida and how far north? What's your zone of operation? Oh, let me answer this. Oh, one. go ahead, Lindsay. <laughs> where do your Where do your crews go? Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. I lived right. with. I have four children. We have four children. Wonderful children. Two married in now, so six. But we spent 15 to 18 years without a husband <laughs> and a dad, and we would celebrate when he was home and stop doing the routine stuff and vacation because he was on the waterway from Maine to Mexico to Chicago to Oklahoma to Puerto Rico. I mean, he went everywhere and he knows no captain, no crewman can tell him anything about any waterway that he hasn't already experienced, which is what blesses us now. But there was... I think you hear me saying a little sacrifice to get there. Oh, yeah. It sounds like a lot of sacrifice. My father was in the military and uh, was often deployed and gone for extended period of time. And my mother, uh, we had eight children in our family. So it was a lot of work for my mother when my dad was gone for extended periods. But tell us about the ships that you used to captain and operate uh, in those periods from uh, through, I guess, the Great Lakes, the St. Lawrence uh, Seaway all the way boy what a what a career right a, um, it was uh, you know for me it was it was it was fun <laughs> yeah i hate to admit it I, it sounds cool say, it, it sounds cool. like fun come right. on <laughs> you can't sorry about that no, <laughs> it's okay and my son caught the bug i mean he wants to yeah. do it too he's there it's just it's it's a challenge on wives mm, we'll say that of course, of yes, course. married to the water man right <laughs> that's right and uh, i mean before cell phones and and, and right? all this we didn't have those right um you know you you either call a bridge and they'd call or you get to the dock and you find a pay phone uh, um i you know i don't know if i don't know if cell phones and and internet have made it any better but um, mm-hmm. um at least you can you know communicate but um yeah it was it it um you know it's fun um i like to uh, i always like to find a new place to go uh, but it, it, uh, that's getting a little bit more difficult. <laughs> yeah, you've yeah, been, been uh, everywhere. Tell mm-hmm. us again. You got to give us your top waterway story. Now, there's got to be a lot of stories over many, many years, and for your family and your grandfather in this company. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's got to be a few hairy, hairy stories about being Big on the waterway. Yeah. Uh, what 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 comes to mind when you think about you your career? You were in that perfect storm when you were reading the perfect storm, right? Was I don't know if it was a perfect storm, but that was. Um, he basically th- felt like he lived that movie one time. Uh, oh, yeah, wow. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was in the. We were in the Gulf of Mexico, headed to um, uh, Corpus Christi, Texas, and um, it just uh, uh, the weatherman wasn't quite right. Uh, <laughs> Said so, it was going to be nice, right? And you know, so we decided uh, we, you know, we had a barge in tow, and um, you've got all these oil rigs around. So we decided we, we were going to find a an area where we had, uh, you know, about a three mile uh, CPA close pointed approach to any of the rigs, and we just kind of held on all night long. And as soon as that sun peeked over the horizon, I said, "Well, we're just going to get it on our stern because I mean, we're out there, and uh, ten to twelve doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot." Especially in the Gulf of Mexico, ten or twelve feet seas. Seas. I mean, we we would. That uh, sounds like a lot to me. (laughs) I mean, you you know, you're having green water coming over the wheelhouse, and so the next morning we just um, headed in and got into the Gulf Intercoastal Waterway. Yeah. Um, But we just uh, the reason we hadn't been in there the whole time we had a project cargo that it was I think it was about a thirty five forty foot diameter tank. Wow. um, You know, going to a chemical plant. So. 
But yeah, I mean, there's. Of course, pre cell phone, you call and say, How was your trip? Oh, fine, fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think you don't want to say too much. Yeah, no. that's right. No pictures or anything. <laughs> right. Um, that sounds hairy. Yeah. That's, I mean, here's the thing that I'm thinking about about these waterways is that when they are maintained, it allows for traffic on them, and uh, which is safer. Right. And, uh, and, it, and of course, you can duck in for safety. If you, if need be, when the waterway is not maintained and not reliable, you you're basically forced to go offshore, and therefore you're much more exposed to, to the storms. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on in Savannah because we did hear the overview this morning uh, from, let's see, the director of operations for the Corps of Engineers, uh, who uh, was telling us about the the uh, Savannah Harbor Expansion Project, SHEP, a billion-dollar project to deepen uh, Savannah Harbor uh, for uh, Panamax ships, I guess larger draft mm -hmm. ships coming mm -hmm. into Savannah. And we've learned a little bit about the LNG terminal, the $2 billion LNG terminal. There is a lot going on in the maritime industry in this part of the United States. Can you give us an overview of what's happening in this region? Well, the... Uh Georgia Port Authority has has done a great job of in getting shipping lines to commit to coming to Savannah. Um, you know, always expanding, uh, trying to meet the needs of the shipping lines. Uh, you, you, you can't go down to Savannah, uh, down to the riverfront, and sit very long and not see a ship go in or out. Um, but the SHEP program, the the, the, the harbor deepening, uh, right now the pilots have to uh, Savannah pilot, bar pilots have to. Wait. William's on the pilotage commission yeah. too. Okay. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they have to wait for uh, tides and, and the currents, and then of course there's more tug time uh, because they have to escort some of the larger vessels. Um, you know, so you know, deep in the harbor, the, it'll make it a lot safer, and um, you won't have to have so many delays. Um, the LNG facility, Elba Island. Um, growing up, I you know, you'd, you'd see these tanks off in the distance and you're going what is that and it was built back in the 70s um and it went dormant mm -hmm. uh, okay i mean it was gonna be a big thing and then i think it was moa market is it moa market in libya moa market yeah, anyway they, yeah there was something going on i mean they were getting lng liquefied natural gas coming out of there and so it, it just it stayed dormant but i mean they sandblast tanks and paint them whatever but uh i'm trying to think how many years ago they reactivated it but now we're actually uh before we were importing natural gas right and now we're going to be exporting natural yeah. gas wow. big change the big change big, big change, change. Yep. yeah and a big thing on the texas coast the lng terminal right. expansion all along from brownsville to oh, Corpus Christi, houston all the way along the gulf shoreline mm -hmm. i didn't realize there was a big going to be an lng export terminal here in savannah area right uh and it strikes me as i'm curious about the source of the of the product that is being if the pipelines have got to come from somewhere i wonder where they're coming from to get the gas here to export i, I, I don't you know i think most of it's um you know uh, the Gulf, and then you know all the different fracking um, yeah. facilities, and um, uh, you know it's just—I um, I won't say unlimited supply, but it seems like there's unlimited supply of natural gas. Well, we're the number one oil and gas producer in the world, world. now. It's the United yes. States of America since about 2016, I think. Uh, 
good for your business, all of this expansion work in, in the Port of Savannah and this part of the country. I imagine, are you guys involved in the maintenance of the port facilities and, and the dredging and channel depth maintenance and all of that kind of stuff? Is yeah, that part yeah, of your we, repertoire? Yeah, I mean, we, we help the dredging companies move their equipment around. And, and then, of course, like I said, we do uh, agitation dredging for dock owners to, to keep their docks at the proper depth and, um, you know, just, just whatever needs to be done. It's the larger dock yeah. owners corporations and we also William recognized that there was a need there were only dry docks in uh, South Carolina and Florida and none in Georgia and so um, go ahead and finish yeah tell right. us about your grant and your dry yeah, dock is this the is this the grant uh, yes yeah, so this is the small shipyard grant so this is very cool by the yeah. way yeah, it's, yeah you should see it it's okay gorgeous. so hold on a second for a good chunk of our audience will know what a dry dock is but right. some of them won't right including me <laughs> so tell me about what a dry dock is and what why it's important to have one here right well we th this is actually a floating dry dock um but it it, it you know it's basically a um a barge with 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 wing walls and it, and you flood it and so it goes down in the water and then you bring the vessel you know the boat on 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 top of it and then you pump it out um a way to uh, it's a way to take a ship out of the water that's right lift it up out of lift the water, it up out of the water through the buoyancy of these tanks on these dry and this is what you said a 500 ton 500 ton dry dock so what kind of what kind of vessels can you can you can you service with a dry dock of that size? Uh, it'll it mainly be tugboats, but uh, anything that's um, you know less than uh, 120 feet long and um, you know around you know 45 feet wide. So, but it, it's it's mainly wow. to service um, towing vessels. Um, Subchapter M also created an annual inspection, and then every five ah. years you have to have a dry dock inspection. They haven't started yet. So and this is to get down into the hull, right? right. So you can see what's going on and do a bottom job, a do a, job. Do a bottom job, that's yeah. right. right. And they're going to want all of the vessels that have been inspected. You have had, so far, you need to have 50% now of your fleet um, inspected. And in the next year, you're going to have to dry dock that boat that got started two years ago. Very so it was a brand new and, yeah. and, and needed. That. um yeah. That's yeah. brilliant. Let's talk about it because here's a case where the safety inspection requirement, as you say, subchapter M, which is a reference to the Code of Federal Regulations. Right. This yes. is U.S. Coast Guard safety yes. regulations yes. for mm -hmm. vessels. Uh, it under requires the Department of Transportation. Under the, okay, Department That's right. of Transportation. And requiring that these dry dock inspections occur creates a business opportunity for uh, for your company, Biblia Incorporated. Uh, and, and this project is funded partially with a grant. Can you tell us about that public-private partnership, which sounds like a great investment by the taxpayers? Uh, yeah, the, the Marad, uh, uh, each year, uh, you know, uh, there's an opportunity for small shipyards to apply for a grant, and uh, what it does, it uh, it just it creates a partnership between the government and private industry um, to help finance new equipment, and um, you know, which just helps keep the um, maritime uh, environment moving. Mm -hmm. um, and they like to focus on things that have to remain on the water so it stays in the water industry instead of, say, a crane or something that could turn into a ship 
yard or even just construction right. type right. facility. They want to keep it. This on the will water. be a dry dock Can't thing. Can't get it off the water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's not going to be changed or redeveloped into something right. else. No. And the grant is is from what you mentioned the agency. What, what is it? Marad uh, Small Shipyard Grant. Okay. Program. And, and Marad is the Maritime Administration mm-hmm. of America. I don't, mm-hmm. is, is that the right name? I'm sorry, I, I should know, to, but I don't. The acronym escapes me. You okay. know, in this government world, there are millions of acronyms. <laughs> we do. And after a while, you forget it's, what the letters stand and for. And you know what? We have a, a standing rule on this program that we just let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> we try. To. We do. But you, you've received. That has the construction of your dry deck uh, started? What are you in the process? Not yet. We uh, we contracted uh, JMS, um, which is a engineering firm to do the, do the design work, and actually we just got the uh, rendering. The yeah. rendering. Uh, it's on preliminary design uh, yesterday so how exciting uh, yeah it is. it's beautiful does it look good it does oh, it <laughs> it's it's beautiful and it and it'll be able to fill a niche that is desperately needed for this area because right. even with those two suppliers north of us and south of us there's a backlog so to help the coast guard actually be able to get to the boats it, here mm-hmm. in the savannah uh msu or any from the other sectors as well or if there's damage to get a boat right moving back right. in to support the ship project right now we yep. know they're, they're down and we're, we're trying to help them get back up and running right fascinating fascinating yes. you guys it's a it's a really interesting industry that you're in and uh savannah is just a wonderful place to have as your home port i guess it's safe oh, yeah. to say yeah and uh just incredible, incredible business. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. happy to have had you on the program and gotten to learn about oh, about the program. We, we, we appreciate, feel privileged. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Captain William Van Puffelen and his wife and COO of the company Biblia Inc. here in Savannah, Georgia, Lindsay Van Puffelen. Thank you guys for being on the American Shoreline podcast and introducing us to an amazing family-owned business here in Savannah that is so important on the American Shoreline. What a cool thing to learn about. Thank you.